One of the things that Daryl Bean asked me to announce this morning is that we're looking for people who will, during this spring and summer, start signing up to help uh, take care of some yard cleanup. Like we've got uh, a company that comes in and mows the lawn, same company that takes care of the snow during the wintertime. But during the summer and spring, we also need someone to just come by and pick up some garbage. And so if you're talented enough that you're able to pick up garbage off of our property. We would love to have you come and do that. There, there will be a sign-up list. Uh, there's one online. Uh, there'll also be one, I think, that's going to be posted here, and, and you'll have a chance to do that. That may even be that uh, on June 23rd, which is the second thing I wanted to mention, on June 23rd, we're going to have a sign-up opportunity, not just for that ministry, but for all kinds of ministries, and that one might well be on there as well. Um, so look forward to that, too. June 23rd, the opportunity for all of us to sign up for various ministries. Not long ago, one of our elders got a, an email from someone. And the email was talking about, uh, like they'd been having conversations, these two, this elder and this other person, had been having conversations about what we believed and what we need to practice and who we need to be as Christians. And the bottom line with the email was, I really think you're blowing it. Like this person was writing to one of our elders and saying, it seems to me like the way in which you're talking about the gospel is allowing for a freedom that will eventually take people down a path towards sinfulness. Now that's kind of interesting. Uh, that they would think that way. Like, the elder that I'm talking about is a very fine man. So fine that our church decided to make him an elder. And the way in which he lives his life is exemplary of Christ. And for someone to say, well, you know, the way that you're thinking here about what it means to be Christian is going to take us down a road towards sin, you'd have to think that maybe that elder is on that road. And... Of course, he's not. Not at all. So it was just kind of strange that this kind of almost accusation was made about what it means to stand free in Jesus. But that's the way that some people do, in fact, think. And certainly, I think people in the region of Galatia were thinking this way. That in order for us to be what God wants us to be, we have to live up to a certain standard of rules. And if we don't keep those rules, we're not going to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. And I just don't think that that's the kind of approach that Paul was taking at all to his Christianity. We're going to look at something entirely different from that this morning in terms of what Jesus calls us to, what Paul called us to, certainly what the Spirit wants to do within us in terms of the way that we're going to live for Christ. Now, it's interesting because being Jewish meant certain things. Being part of God's people, which really is what it means to be Jewish, meant things like singular devotion to Yahweh as God, sacrifices for atonement, food laws, Sabbath-keeping, and circumcision. Now, some of these we've already seen. They've already been taken care of kind of in Paul, uh, by Paul in the book of Galatians. Like, he certainly singular devotion to God, to Yahweh as God, is something that's already there. Like, it's in the gospel. And Paul says in chapter 1, no other gospel needs to be preached besides the one that I've brought to you. And that includes the singular devotion to, uh, to, to Jesus and to God, to, to our Father. 
There's also the notion of sacrifices of atonement, which is part of Judaism, but Jesus has become the sacrifice. He's the one who becomes the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If there's any on the list that maybe give a little bit more trouble, it's food laws, Sabbath keeping, and circumcision. But Paul's already dealt with food laws. He did that back in chapter 2 when he was talking about Peter and how Peter uh, gave in to those people who had come from Jerusalem. And they were asking uh, the Christians in Galatia to, uh, to be Jews, basically, and to say to the Gentiles, we can't have, we can't have uh, food connection with you. Uh, what am I trying to say? Table fellowship. We can't have table fellowship with you because you're eating foods that we can't eat. So Paul's kind of already dealt with that one. And then he actually deals with the Sabbath keeping as well because he says there are some who are keeping special days. But don't do this. Don't let yourself be caught up in the whole keeping of special days, festivals, etc. I think that's in chapter 4, about verse 10. The one that he doesn't deal with directly until today is the whole subject of circumcision. And so we're going to look at this today a little bit. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on circumcision itself, but it certainly isn't an important one. Uh, Certainly important in terms of the Jews and the way that they had a relationship with God through specifically circumcision. So I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's on page 825 in the Bibles that are underneath the seats. And I'm going to read this. Uh, We're not going to deal with all of this uh, that I'm going to read today very much. I'll leave some of it to you. But it doesn't mean that it's not all significant. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, he said this kind of thing several times now throughout the letter. It's not new for us to be talking about freedom. Uh, I'm going to make some comments about it, but that's not a new idea at all. He's talked about it a lot. Verse 2, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, the reason that he's so concerned about this is that back in Genesis chapter 17, Paul, or sorry, God had said circumcision is a sign of the covenant, a key sign. And that all the people, all the males who are following after God are going to be God's people are going to have to be circumcised. And so this was certainly one of the key signs of the covenant, the covenant relationship that God has with people. And here Paul, for whatever reason, and of course it's because of Jesus, says that this key covenant component doesn't have to be bound on these Gentile Christians coming to Christianity like these other Jewish Christians are saying that it needs to be. Verse 3, again I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised uh, let himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. And so if you're a person who says, I'm going to be circumcised because I need to be Jewish, then the law is something you're going to be obligated to. You're trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ, you've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor circumcision has any value, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. And it's in verses 7 through 12, I'm not going to deal with so much today, but you can kind of get the sense of what's going on here. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion does not come, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, meaning that this becomes very quickly a problem for many. 
I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. We talked about that a bit before in a previous lesson. It's pretty harsh language on Paul's part to be saying, let them go ahead and emasculate themselves. Well, Paul is dealing here, as he's done, as I said before, with this whole notion, again, of freedom. And it's, it's fantastic what God has done through Jesus in setting us free the way that nobody could ever be free before. And God gives us the spirit and freedom and allows us to stand in him. You know, um, all the time we have people who come by here who are trapped. People who are not at all free. And sometimes their lack of freedom leads directly to their physical death. And of course, when I say that, I'm, I mean the lifestyles that people choose to live. Like I can think of a, a young lady named Melissa, who used to come here quite often. Uh, Melissa was definitely a drug user. I remember one day taking her to a, to a pharmacy not too far away over in Forest Lawn. She, wanted, she said, I, I have to go buy and get some medication. And it was just a weird situation. Like I did take her to this little drugstore, but the whole time I was thinking to myself... What is she getting at this drugstore, and who in the world is selling this to her? Well, she was, I don't know, how long did she come, Jonathan? She probably came for a year to our luncheons or so, something like that. Uh, she had a, a, a gentleman that was with her, Brian. I, I don't know if Brian and Melissa were actually married. They called each other husband and wife, and, and they would come all the time. Brian, of course, had his own problems. Melissa died, and I can remember the day that Brian came and told us that Melissa was dead. Um, many of you will remember that we used to talk all the time about, about Lauren. And Lauren, for years, was one who would come by and get food from us. And, and oftentimes, uh, Lauren, I could find him, I would get here in the morning, and he would be uh, sleeping outside the glass door down here at the end of the hallway. Um, you know, Christine, you would remember Lauren coming by all the time. Uh, he had a, a woman with him, Faye. We used to see Faye. I don't see Faye much anymore, but... Uh, Lauren moved to Vancouver eventually and on the streets uh, got beat up and died as a result of that. Um, Lauren had a brother, Gabriel. Gabriel used to come also all the time. Uh, Gabriel actually passed away before Lauren did. Uh, there was a fellow named Jimmy that used to come and see us all the time. He was here for our lunches a lot. Jimmy's dead. Now, that's at least four. There's probably some that I can't remember or think about. People who were trapped in a lifestyle whereby they were living in such a way that it eventually took their physical lives. And it's a tragedy when that kind of incarceration of life exists and people can't break free from it. I think it's the case that sometimes often. We, we ourselves as Christians live in a kind of prison, so concerned about whether or not, for example, we're saved, 
so concerned whether or not we've lived in such a way that we're going to make it to heaven. How many times have you said to yourself, I hope I've lived well enough? I remember Rubel Shelley talking about how the thing that set him on a path toward really thinking a lot about freedom in Christ was when he went to his father's bedside and his father was in the process of dying. His father was on the way out. And as far as Rubel Shelley was concerned, his dad was absolutely a saint. And he went to his dad's bedside and knelt down and his dad looked at him and said, I hope I've done enough. And Shelley looked at his dad and said, what do you mean? You hope you've done enough. Like, is that where we're going to be at the end of our lives? You serve Jesus for 40 or 50 or 60 years, and at the very end of serving Jesus for maybe 60 years, you're on your deathbed, and you look to yourself and say, I hope I've done enough. Paul seems to be calling us to something entirely different than that kind of mindset. Paul is not into people saying, I hope I've done enough. Instead, Paul simply wants to say that Jesus has done something that allows us to be free in him. Over in chapter 4, about verse 8 or so, he talks about how the pagans, these Gentile Christians before when they were pagans, were bound to various systems, a different way of looking at things, a different God. But it was still the same kind of legalism, even when you're living a life of paganism. And the point is, is that no matter what kind of system we face, Jesus wants to set us free from any kind of approach that depends on anything save his blood. It's only Christ in which we are set free. And so that's kind of the major, first major point Paul wants us to see this morning. And that is that the sacrifice of Christ was intended to absolutely set us free. And I, I feel like we should just spend some time talking about that this morning. Just, just ruminate on it a bit. Think about it for, for all that it means that Jesus has set us free. Isn't it a tragedy when people, Christians, for so long wonder whether or not they're saved? The other night in our life group, we had a lady that's come a couple of times now, Joanne. Uh, she came on a, I think it was a Wednesday night originally. She came and just popped in and said, you know, are there any Bible studies that go on here? So she's come the last couple of Thursday nights. And a couple of nights ago, on a Thursday night, I said to her, I said to the group, do you ever have doubts about your salvation? you ever wonder whether or not you're saved? And Joanne was almost angry with me for asking the question. She looked at me and she went, no! No, I, I never have any doubts. How could we ever doubt whether or not we're saved when Jesus died on the cross for us? And she was asking that and stating that in a way that I don't often see among us. She was livid that somebody could call into question the faith that we have in Jesus and the confidence that we can have in him that we are saved. We know that we're against certain things. Sometimes we get the reputation of being against those things. So Christians are the ones who are simply against having fun. We're the ones who are against homosexuality. Or we're the ones who think we're saved and nobody else is. There's all kinds of things that sometimes get said about us. But what Paul wants us to see is that the freedom that we have in Jesus is what really should set us apart. 
so that it's not so much what we are against, it's what we're for. Attempts to be justified through keeping laws actually alienate us from God. And for a long time, unfortunately, that's where some of us have been. Way more concerned about keeping some rules rather than living the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live in the freedom of the cross. And the moment we do that, Paul says, we actually become alienated from God. He says, we lose grace. And I don't want to lose God's grace. I don't want to be alienated from Him. Certainly not because I kept trying to live a certain way, thinking that's the way that I was going to have to to earn my salvation, when all the while God is saying, I simply did something here in Jesus that sets you free. We need to hear that and know it and live that. A second thing that Paul says is, we have a new relationship with God, a new power for living well that comes to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in the last few years. With very good reason. It's because our faith in Christ is grounded in what the Holy Spirit is doing on us. There is a power for living by the Spirit that simply comes in no other way than through Him. There was a time in Churches of Christ in our history when we had a pretty legalistic orientation. And it makes sense that we would when we didn't recognize who the Holy Spirit was and the role the Spirit wants to have in our lives. We thought that that being the church, even being saved, meant having the right style of worship or having the right name for our church, following a prescribed list of steps for salvation. And all the while, Christ was wanting to say to us, God was wanting to say to us, far more important than that is whether or not you have my spirit within you. And so Paul works at length, whether it's in Romans or 1 Corinthians or what it is, to correct this doctrine of the Holy Spirit within the minds of Christians. Now, Michael Coughlin's going to preach next Sunday, and he's going to do these next verses, 13 and following. I'm not going to steal his thunder here. But it really is the Holy Spirit that enables us to be free in Christ and in some sense even to be justified. We automatically think of the cross as the way in which we're justified through what Christ has done. But the Spirit has such a significant role here and we need to recognize that and focus even on what it is that the Holy Spirit does. And then we need to recognize what Paul says when he says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. When I was in my first few years of ministry, everybody in Churches of Christ were starting to talk about uh, grace and freedom and forgiveness and a peace in Christ that many people hadn't known. And because we were talking about freedom and grace all the time, it made people nervous. People who had long-standing relationships in the Churches of Christ got nervous because we were talking so much about freedom. And I can remember one of the elders. In fact, uh, Shirley, you're actually related to this fellow. It was Boyd Lowe, who was an elder in, uh, in Southern California. And Shirley's related to him by marriage. 
And, and Boyd was in a meeting. We were talking about the freedom and grace that we have in Christ. And, and all of a sudden, Boyd said, you know, the thing that worries me about this is whether or not we're somehow going to lose a sense of righteousness. If we let go of all of these commands and all of the ca- command keeping, isn't it the case that people will start kind of living any way that they want? And I think sometimes that's still a fear. If we talk very much about freedom in Jesus and all that God has done in freeing us from in Christ uh, to live not by command keeping and rules, but to live in the freedom that he gives to us, it's like all of a sudden we're all going to become these uh, sinners with no guidance, with no boundaries, because we're so free in Christ that we'll lose all the sense of righteousness that's about us. And Paul says that the Spirit... And faith in Christ, expressed through love, actually becomes the means for a righteousness that far surpasses what we used to think we had when we were living according to the law. So that a real righteousness, a righteousness that is far stronger, far deeper, and in fact, a holiness that is way more profound, comes to us not because of the rules that we used to live by, but instead by the freedom that we now have in Christ. And so true faith in Christ, with a heart filled with the Spirit, transforms our hearts into hearts of love. And that becomes the source of righteousness. It's interesting, in just a few verses here, verse 14 or so, Paul's actually going to talk about how love fulfills the whole law. And so the very thing that we thought we wanted to live by, the law, with all of the rules, ends up eventually in Christ being fulfilled. But not by our keeping all those rules, which of course we could never do, but instead by what God has done through Christ and His Spirit working within us. People filled with love through the grace of Christ don't obey all the commands. They don't. They actually live better than that. We end up fulfilling the law, keeping all the commands that God wants us to keep, and doing so with a closeness and relationship with Him that God really wants us to have, which the law could never give us that we could never fulfill. So again, let me ask you, Do you ever ask yourself whether or not you're saved? Do you ever worry about this? Do you ever think to yourself, I don't know if I've done enough? The key to you doing enough is not in you trying to do enough. The key is instead for you to give yourself over. The key is in giving yourself over to Christ, to what it is that he's done, and accept the freedom that Jesus gives you to live in him by his spirit then the loving lifestyle that God wants us to live can actually become part of who we are because the Spirit lives within us and creates that heart within us which becomes a heart that seeks after God and seeks after righteousness. So you probably, if you're like me and like most Christians, are sometimes disappointed in yourself. And it may be that you make decisions to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, Live harder for Christ. I'm going to do this more. I'm going to be more diligent. 
There's all kinds of things I'm going to take more seriously. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. But trying to live that way by your own efforts ultimately is going to produce frustration and failure. What will put you where you need to be and actually becoming the person that God wants you to be is when you give yourself over to this kind of freedom and love in Him and allow the Spirit then to work in you so that you can really be all that God wants you to be. So are you doing that? The question is not, have I kept the rules this morning? The question is, have I completely given my heart to Him? Is my heart open to being what God wants me to be? The Spirit then comes and takes that heart and works within us and creates us to be the person that God wants us to be. Open your hearts. Give yourself to Him. Accept His freedom and be transformed. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to get caught in the trap of of worrying about whether or not we're good enough. Sometimes our whole society takes us in that direction. Certainly the law-keeping that was so so much part of the Jewish system took us in that direction. But we know that you want something drastically different for us. And so we thank you that in Jesus you have given us through the cross the freedom that we have in you that allows us to live positively for you and not just prevent ourselves from living certain ways that you don't want us to live. Instead, Father, help us to constantly live for you through the power of the Spirit, living out the life of freedom and love that you call us to. And for every person here, God, who's weighed down by their own sin and worries about their own salvation, help them to see and to recognize the freedom they have in you, to accept all that Jesus has done, and to live in response to that freedom and love. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.